Hello, West Village family. How's it going? Uh, Chris here, one of the leaders at West Village. I uh, just want to give you a big welcome. Uh, I know we've been saying this for the last couple of weeks, but welcome to 2021. Uh, we are in week three of a three-week series that we're calling Jesus's Guide to Thriving in Chaos. And really what we're doing is just hitting pause to take a look at what God's been doing in the midst of this fairly chaotic season. And so for the last two uh, weeks, we kind of took a look back at 2020, said, hey, what? Let's let's celebrate what Jesus has done among us in 2020. Uh, it was great. I encourage you to go back, listen to the podcast, watch the videos on our YouTube channel. Uh, but today what we're going to do is we're going to look ahead at 2021 and just ask the question, what is what is it that we're expecting that Jesus is going to do in our midst in 2021? Um, and so what we are really doing here in this series is kind of laying a foundation for where we think the year is going to go. But then what we're also really encouraging our church family to do is come participate with us on uh, Sunday, January 31st. Sunday, January 31st, 7 p.m., mark your calendars. We are having our annual vision and prayer night. So here we're kind of laying a foundation for uh, the vision and where we're going. But on Sunday, January 31st at 7 p.m., we are going to be having our vision and prayer night where we're going to actually make some decisions as a church family about what 2021 is going to look like. And so really encourage you to be there. If you go to westvillagechurch.com forward slash vision and prayer, you will find all the details uh, on the meeting. It's going to be exclusively digital, um, you know, going to be facilitated on Zoom and all that good stuff. So I encourage you to be there. Mark your calendar. Tell somebody. Bring a friend. Uh, you know, tell your community group, your DNA group that this is the place to be. It's going to be a party. Um, anyway, let's get in. Let's get into this. Um, as I was preparing for uh, this message. I took some time just to kind of go back over um, our social media feed. I went on our Facebook page, on our Instagram page, kind of started scrolling back through photos, looking at, started by looking at what God was doing in our church in 2020. And, you know, as you go back further and further and further, uh, started to get into 2019. And I came across these photos and, uh, man, I don't know, they just... It was great. It was good for my heart. Uh, I mean, there was grief, but there was also like this joy of celebration. I came across these photos, and maybe some of you will remember uh, this day, but there was a day, I believe it was in July, where we had these baptisms. We were outside the Cineplex Odeon. That's the the place that we used to meet. Do you remember remember that place Uh, where our church used to gather? And by God's grace, we will gather there again one day. Uh, but just outside, it was after the gathering, it was a sunny Sunday uh, afternoon, early afternoon, we were out in the parking lot, and we were celebrating baptisms, and I can't remember how many people got baptized that day, there were a number of people, seven or eight people that got baptized, we had the hot tub out there, it was full of cold water, but it was a hot tub, there were literally, I mean, it was just a, a, a crowd of people, a sea of people, a couple, a couple hundred people out there, uh, and it was just this beautiful day. I look back on that day. I just remember, I mean, one of my boys, Jacob, he got baptized that day. It was a great day for, for our family. But but hearing these stories, these testimonies of God's grace, you know, just hearing people share about their lives being changed and transformed, and then seeing them baptized, making this public declaration in the middle of the, the West Shore Mall parking lot as, as, you know, people are in the Superstore parking lot, the, the Canadian Tire parking lot. People are walking by, looking in, and just seeing this, this public demonstration of the grace of God right in the middle of our community. And then after all those people got baptized, you know, we did a very un-COVID friendly thing where we gathered like literally hundreds of people gathered around those people who got baptized and we laid hands on them and we prayed over them and we we prayed that the Spirit of God would continue to work in their life. We prayed and commissioned them to go out and make more disciples who make disciples and 
like I already said, I, I just had this moment like of joy, great joy, great celebration. But then I started to really just kind of zoom in on some of the people's faces, people that I haven't seen in a long time. Some of them I haven't seen this entire year. I had grief. Sadness came over me. As I looked at those photos and those people, I realized like we, we didn't know what was, what was just around the corner. I mean, 2020 was just 12, 16 weeks away. We had no idea what was coming. The hurt, the pain, the anxiety, the, the death, the loss, the confusion. It's hard. And here we are on the other side of that year. We're coming into, I mean, we're a few weeks in now, but coming into 2021. And the question that that I get asked more often than not is what is 2021 going to bring? What's it going to bring for me as a father? What's it going to bring for for you in whatever sphere of life you are in? What's it going to bring for me as a a leader in our church? What's it going to bring for our church family? What's it going to bring for my marriage, for work, for school, for the future plans we have? And I think people generally have one of two responses to that question. The first response is there's this kind of a sense of, if we're not careful, a sense of arrogance. We're coming into 2021, we're looking at the kind of the lay of the land, where things are heading, and there, there can be this sense of arrogance to us as we, we look at what's happening in front of us. We, we've got this reality where there's a vaccination coming, and, and look at that, soon the, soon the pandemic's going to be gone. We look down at some of the, you know, the things that are happening in the United States of America, right? And maybe there's this feeling of like, oh, you know, the evil Donald Trump has been voted out of office. And so finally, the universe is going to be restored to order. Uh, we, we look out at the world and we think, look at this. Humanity is stronger, better, more resilient than we ever thought it was going to be. But probably there's some people in our world, in our, specifically in, in our context in the city of Victoria, who think, look at that. We, we actually don't need God. We don't need religion. In fact, if we look back over the last year, it's some people probably feel like religion actually made things worse, not better. And there can be this arrogance to us that we actually believe that somehow by relying and trusting in ourselves that we can actually get through what is in front of us all on our own. We're doing fine. There's an arrogance to us. And then for others, it's not arrogance so much as it is anxiety. You look at the future, and you start to project what took place in 2020 on to 2021. The economic uncertainty, the political strife, the division within our culture, the uncertainty about uh, what's next for you, what's next for your kids, what kind of world are they going to grow up in, what's going to be the fallout of the decisions that were made over the course of this year, and, and really what can start to happen is we can start to feel hopeless and helpless because we look out at the world around us and we, we just see brokenness. We see uncertainty. We see, we see hurt. But for me, as, as I look at 2021, as I, as I approach the year, I would describe my disposition as, I describe it like this. I have a humble confidence. 
a humble confidence heading into 2021. I'm confident heading into 2021. I'm extremely confident heading into 2021. I'm not confident uh, in myself. I'm not confident in our world. I'm not confident in in, in politicians, human leaders, human systems, human economics. I'm not confident in any of that. I'm confident in Jesus. Well, I don't know what 2021 is going to bring. I don't know what the future holds. I know the one who does. And so I can rest. I can have a confidence in that. But with that confidence comes this humility. I'm humble because I know that the confidence that I have, it doesn't rest on my shoulders. It doesn't rest on your shoulders. It doesn't rest on any of our shoulders, but it rests squarely on the shoulders of God. And so... The question I want to answer today for us, the question I want us to think about, talk about, pray about, as we head into 2021 is, how do we enter that year, 2021, how do we enter the year that is in front of us with a measure of confidence? If you have your Bibles, go to Jeremiah 29. We've been hanging out in Jeremiah 29 for uh, every single week of the series this has kind of been home base for us. And so this shouldn't be new information if you've been following along. But uh, verse 1 of Jeremiah 29 reads this. This is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders among the exiles and to the priests and the prophets and all the people that Nebuchadnezzar had carried Uh, had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. So let me just kind of give us the context, help lay the kind of context for what is happening here in Jeremiah chapter 29. The nation of Israel, who are known as the people of God, have been carried off into exile into the the nation of Babylon, by the nation of Babylon. So so they're living in exile. In other words, they're, they're kind of on the margins of society. For many people, we have used that theme when we think of the, the, the situation that the church finds herself in right now in 20, coming out of 2020 and into 2021. It's that theme of exile, right? On the margins, displaced, dispersed. It's not how we want it to be. But the reality is the exile that the people of God were experiencing in Jeremiah 20, 29 was far more significant than the exile we are experiencing. Uh, this was a tyrannical leadership that was in place over the church. They were, or over the, the nation of Israel, rather. They were being oppressed. They were being, uh, you know, just hard things were happening to them. The, the, the kind of exile that we are experiencing right now is junior varsity relative to the kind of exile that the people of God were facing. And in the midst of this uncertain reality for the people of God, Jeremiah pens this letter, inspired by the Holy Spirit, given to him by God, as a way of, of giving comfort to God's people as they are living in this exilic reality, in this, this reality of exile, where they're outside of what they know, where they're not comfortable, where they're, where they're in this hostile environment, in this, this unfamiliar territory, unfamiliar situation. He writes this letter to bring them comfort. And, and the, the letter that Jeremiah writes was, was, was received with mixed reviews, right? Like there were some people that that read what Jeremiah is going to write here, and they receive it. They receive it, and they live in light of it. Jeremiah's hope, his desire is to offer peace and hope to the people who don't have any peace or hope. And some people read it, they live in light of it, and it, and it brings them joy. It brings them contentment. It brings them this, this sense of humble confidence in the midst of uncertainty. But then there were, there were other people who hear what Jeremiah has to say, and they resist it. Uh, this is evidenced, we won't go there right now, maybe we'll get there later, but in verses uh, 8 and 9, and even verse 10 in, in uh, chapter 29, 
there, there were prophets who were, were, were telling the people to not listen to Jeremiah. And Jeremiah offers a, issues a warning to the people not to listen to those prophets. And so there were many amongst the people of God who were hearing what Jeremiah was saying, and they resisted what he had to say. And the reality for, for those people is that they were crushed under the weight of living in exile. They, they weren't able to sustain this life of exile because they didn't heed the words of Jeremiah, which were ultimately the words of God, which were ultimately given to the people to give them life. And so Jeremiah is writing this letter, and, and really what he's doing is he's asking people to analyze their hearts. This, this letter, Jeremiah, that, that, sorry, this letter that Jeremiah is writing is given to us as a tool that we can actually apply to our hearts, to analyze our hearts, to ask the question, are we walking in step with the things that God would have for us in light of the circumstances that we are facing? In other words, are we experiencing joy right now in our lives, or are we experiencing this reality of being crushed under the weight of our circumstances? And the letter that Jeremiah writes in Jeremiah 29, it actually is a tool that we can use to assess where we're at. And it'll probably be helpful for us just to hit pause here for a second to distinguish uh, between a couple of different terms. And these two terms can easily be conflated. Uh, On one hand, we have belief. And then on the other hand, we have trust. Uh, Now, when I talk about belief, what I'm talking about is this idea that people will often say that they believe in something, right? Some people believe in the tooth fairy. Some people believe in Santa Claus. That You will hear people say, I believe in Christianity. And that's their way of describing a system of thought, similar to a worldview. In other words, I believe there's a God. I believe in Jesus. I I believe in the Bible. And that informs how I view the world. But it's important, it's necessary, and it's helpful for us to distinguish from belief this idea of trust. Because trust and belief it's something, they're, they're very different concepts, very different ideas. If belief is how you see the world, then trust is actually what you really rely on. Uh, trust is like the foundation of a house. It determines whether your house is built on something that is sound, structurally sound. It determines whether your house is able to weather storms. It determines whether your house is is able to withstand a myriad of circumstances and and situations that are going to bring, you know, duress to the structure. Can it withstand those things? In other words, what trust is, ultimately, it's what you draw your strength from. It's where your confidence is found. Now, this is a very necessary distinction. See, we're not talking about one person who believes in God and one person who doesn't. We're not talking about a Christian and a non-Christian. We're not talking about a person who goes to church and a person who doesn't go to church. We're talking about the the very core level uh, of who we are as people, what we depend on, what we rely on. We're ultimately asking in turbulent times, what brings you hope? What do you trust in? Uh, now, we live in a secular society, very very secular, right? Kind of what we would describe often around here at West Village as SBNR, spiritual but not religious. We kind of have these spiritual beliefs, 
But ultimately, at the end of the day, we are primarily a secular culture. And the way this conversation takes place in in kind of a secular culture, in a secular sense, uh, you know, when it comes to a conversation around God is often something like this. There are rational people, right? There's people who believe in science. There's people who believe in rational thought and, and rational thinking. And then there are religious people. There are people who believe in, you know, ancient fairy tales and uh, Bronze Age myths. And that's kind of the, the two categories that a lot of people kind of put, put, put all of society in. You're either a rational person or you're an irrational person. You're either a person who believes in God and that would make you an irrational person or you are the kind of person who, who believes in, you know, rationality and rational thought. And those are the two categories. And oftentimes, what we sort of do if we're not careful is we misunderstand what is actually being described when we talk about this concept of belief over trust. You see, the reality is there isn't a single person in the world who doesn't trust in something. There isn't a person in the world who at the very core of who they are doesn't put their hope in something. You, you might be the kind of person that d- describes themselves as someone who's rational. You, know, you, you don't believe in a God. You, you, you uh, look at what religious people teach, what religious people believe, and you think that that is absolutely crazy. Those are the kind of people that are cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. And so instead of believing in a God, instead of believing in what the Bible teaches, instead of believing in, in Jesus, what do you believe in? What do you trust in? What do you put your hope in? Now, for just a second, take a look at our world. Uh, for just a second, scroll, scroll your, your, your social media feed. Look at what is being said. Look at what is being espoused. Look at what is being talked about. And ask yourself this question, what does our world put their trust in? Not what do they believe, but what do they put their trust in? What are you going to see? You're going to see a world that puts their trust in the economy. You're going to see a world that puts their trust and hope in, in human leaders, political leaders. You're going to see a world that puts their hope and trust in science. You're going to see a world that puts their hope and trust in human thought and human rationality. Now, let me ask us a question. How's that working out for us? In other words, what is the fruit of that in, in our lives? What is the fruit of that in our world? What is the fruit of that in our city? What is the fruit of that in our society? We've made jokes, many jokes about 2020 being an absolute dumpster fire. Why? Why? Well, I would contend, I would argue that it's because the house that our culture has been building lays on a faulty foundation. In other words, the the things that we trust in, the things that we have put our hope in as a society are not capable of sustaining all of the hopes and dreams that people have for their lives. Functionally, what we have in our society is a group of people who've worshipped self. They've worshipped humanity. They've worshipped progress. They've worshipped rational thought. They've worshipped political ideas and leaders. They've worshipped science. They've worshipped the self. And when that comes under duress, when that gets met with hostility, when that get, gets met with this this complicated, complex, difficult moment that we find ourselves in, what happens? It comes crumbling down. 
at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 4, 5, 6, and 7, Jesus ends his sermon by giving this small little parable. He says that there's two builders, right? Both building a house. House represents a person's life. And he says that one builder builds his house on the sand. He uses the sand as his foundation. The other builder builds his house on the rock, he uses a rock as foundation. Both houses, they experience storms. Storms come. And the person, the builder that builds his house on the sand, well, what happens? His house comes crashing down. Can't withstand 2020. The person that builds his house on the rock, and the rock is the foundation, it withstands the storm. And what Jesus is saying there is, build your house on me. Build your house on my teaching. Build your house on my life. Put your trust in me. What Jeremiah is doing here in 20. Chapter 29, in this letter that he is writing to the people of God, is he's asking the question, what do you trust in? What do you put your hope in? It's, an, it's actually an invitation to us. If we, will, if we will hear it as such, Jeremiah chapter 29 is an invitation to the people of God to build our lives on Jesus, to build our church on Jesus. So how can we enter 2021 with humble confidence? Well, we do it by trusting in the right things. It's not a question of what, uh, whether we trust or not, whether we trust God or not. It's a question of what will we trust? Will we place our trust in the right things? What are the right things that will produce a humble confidence in us as we head into 2021? Well, let's look at what Jeremiah writes. Let's skip down. If you have your Bible, skip down to verse 4. Again, we, we read these verses the last two Sundays, but I will read them again. Verse 4, Jeremiah writes this. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Here's what he says, okay? Listen to what he says build houses and settle down and plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. And then he says this, increase in numbers there, increase in number there, do not decrease. Now we, we talked about this uh, at great length last week, so I won't spend a lot of time on this. But just notice the language that Jeremiah uses in this letter, right? He says, build houses, settle down, plant your gardens, get married, increase in number. What's this language all indicating to us? There's this sense in which we are being invited by God in the season we find ourselves in to do what? Settle down. Establish yourself. Make a life for yourself in the moment that that you find yourself in. Even though that moment might not be ideal. I want you to establish, build a house, right? make a home in this moment, settle in, plant gardens. In other words, you're going to be there for a while. You're going to be there in season and out of season, so you need to have food to eat. Increase in number. In other words, what he's saying here is don't hold back. Embrace the moment. Recognize the reality of the circumstances around you, but don't shrink back. Invest in the season that you find yourself in. Invest. Is it hard? Yes, but invest. Is it is it uncertain? Yes, but invest. Is it is it is there this sense that we don't know how long this is going to last for? Absolutely. But it's time to establish yourself. 
If you have your Bibles, go back a few pages. Go to the left. Jeremiah chapter 17. Jeremiah is a great book. We should preach through it one day. Maybe we're going to do that. Jeremiah chapter 17. In Jeremiah 17, uh, Jeremiah gives this word picture of, of what it looks like to be the people of God. And, and look at what he says, picking up in verse 5. He says this, this is what the Lord says. So again, we have this sense that Jeremiah is giving a letter to this group of people in exile. Look at what he says. He says, cursed is the one who trusts in man. Okay, cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh and whose heart turns away from the Lord. That person will be like a bush in the wasteland. Uh, Jeremiah says, if you're the kind of person that puts all your hope, all your trust in man, in human thought, in human systems, in human circumstances, then here's what's going to happen. You're going to be like a withered bush. In fact, the image that Jeremiah is giving here in these verses is just that. It's this, it's this weak, it's this feeble bush. It has no, no greenery on it right? It's not good for anything. It's not bearing fruit. It's this poor, pitiful bush planted in the middle of the desert where there's nothing, nothing for it. It can draw from from the ground absolutely no nourishment. And what Jeremiah is saying is this is what happens when you put your trust in the wrong things. Uh, This is what happens when you listen to false Prophets, this is what happens when you trust in man over God. It ultimately leads to death. This is what happens when you trust in your circumstances. But then look at what he says next. Verse 7, but, okay, so that's, that's one person, but blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. Where's your trust, right? Is it in man? Is it in God? Whose confidence is in him? Look at what he says next, verse eight. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when the heat comes. Heat being this picture of circumstances that aren't going our way. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and it never fails to bear fruit. You see the difference? Jeremiah's inviting the people of God. He's inviting us to establish ourselves, to settle into the moment, to trust God in the moment we find ourselves in. And look at what he says. It's beautiful. You have no fear and no worries. No fear and no worries? Jeremiah, do you know what 2020 has been like? I got a lot of fears. I got a lot of worries. Coming into 2021, I got a lot of fears. I got a lot of worries. And Jeremiah's saying, if you establish yourself next to the stream, Got no fears, you got no worries. If you trust in God, no fears, no worries. And then look at what he says. It's not a withered bush. Look at look at this. Verse 8, it's always green, and it never fails to bear fruit. It's a beautiful picture. It's a beautiful picture of what God wants to do. It's this picture of a tree planted next to a stream. The tree is drawing all of its nourishment, all of its enjoyment, everything it needs, all of its sustenance from this stream. And you notice the the tree isn't striving. It isn't isn't trying hard to become something. It just is. Why? 
because it's next to the stream. Jeremiah is talking about a tree, a tree that is abundant with fruit and life. And he's saying, if you will plant yourself next to Jesus, this is the kind of life that can be afforded to you. This is what Jesus promises us, right? He promises not that our circumstances are always going to go well, but he promises us that in the midst of whatever's happening around us, that if we will take our eyes off of our circumstances and look at Jesus, we will have life and life to the full. We'll always be green. We'll always bear fruit. We'll never have worry and we'll never have fear. Why? Because we have a humble confidence. And our confidence isn't in us. It's not in our, it's not in our circumstances. It's not in our situation. It's in Jesus. We have humble confidence because of Jesus. And this beautiful picture of of the sense that we can look out at the world around us and say, okay, this is hard, but God is good. And what God is doing in Jeremiah chapter 29, what he's doing with us as we come out of 2020 and head into 2021 is he's inviting us into something beautiful. He's calling us to come to him, to trust in him, to establish ourselves in him. When I think back to the very beginning of all that was happening with COVID, I remember one of the very first meetings we had with some of our key leaders as all this went down. I remember sitting on a Zoom call with them and just pleading with them, pleading with our leadership that we wouldn't waste this moment. That yes, this is hard. That yes, this is not what we wanted. That yes, this is not what we had planned, but that God wanted to do something. That there was going to be this kind of, this shaking that occurred within the church. And it seemed like such a long time ago, and I remember at that time actually thinking to myself, even as I said it, well, this might only be a few weeks, and here we are nearly a year later. And My prayer this year has not been, God, take COVID away. Although, believe me, friends, I would love for God to take all of this away. I'd love for it to be gone like that. But my prayer for us has been, God, help us not to waste this moment. Friends, if you're feeling anxious, if you're feeling tired, if you're feeling scared, if you're feeling isolated, if you're feeling disconnected, If your heart is longing for something that you're not experiencing right now because of the world around us, because of the the situation and the circumstances and the way that things are constituted currently, here's what that is a cry for, for Jesus. It's a cry to lean into Jesus. It's a cry to plant yourself next to the stream of Jesus. It's a cry to to sit yourself down at the feet of Jesus. It's a cry for you to, to actually experience Jesus because if there's fear, if there's anxiety, if there's no fruit, what does that mean? It means we're planted in the wrong place. We're trusting in the wrong things. And so here, here's my, this, this doesn't seem very profound but yet I think it's the most helpful and profound thing for us. As we head into 2021, as we look ahead 
at what is in front of us. Here's what I believe that God is calling us to as a church, to plant ourselves next to the stream, to establish ourselves in this moment, to not look past what's in front of us, hoping that we can get past whatever is in front and get back to the way things were. To not waste this moment, but rather to press in to Jesus. Friends, Jesus is inviting us to give him our hearts in a fresh way. Uh, he's, he's inviting us to trust him in ways that we have never done before. Friends, he's inviting us to locate ourselves right next to him, in his presence, meeting with him, receiving from him, hearing from him, to have our inner life formed and transformed by him, to pray prayers like, God, search my heart, Find my idols, take them away, forgive my sin, and let me experience the peace of your presence in this moment like I never have, because I've never needed to. Friends, 2020, as hard as it's been, is actually a gift because it's exposing in us our deep need for Jesus. So let me just ask a couple of questions to consider as we start this year. The first three are kind of about locating yourself next to the stream, sitting at the feet of Jesus. Here's the first one. What are the spiritual disciplines that you need to cultivate to keep yourself connected to Jesus? What are the things that you need to start doing, rhythms you need to start forming in order to actually stay connected to Jesus? The second question is this, what practices of self-care do you need to attend to your body, and to nurture your soul? What ways do you need to start investing in the care of yourself? And then lastly, what core relationships do you need to support you on your journey? In other words, what do you need? Who do you need around you? What resources do you need to help you facilitate that? And then this last question, this is about Jesus. I want you to think about this question for just a second. What more than anything, do you need to receive from Jesus this year? Family, can I just encourage us to not hold that in, but to bring it to him and lay it down at his feet? Uh, so that's our first calling. Jeremiah 29 back there. First calling is to establish ourselves. Here's the next one, verse seven again. We've read this a number of times. We will read it again. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city. So you're gonna establish yourself, but I also want you to seek the peace and the prosperity of the city to which I've carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Again, we get this picture of God calling his people to seek the prosperity of the city, not the prosperity of themselves, not the prosperity of the church, not the prosperity of their own community, but the actual prosperity of the city. And again, we said this last week, but uh, the, the, the language that is being used here is the, the Hebrew word shalom, and it's this picture of of a world the way it is supposed to be, right? A Genesis 1 and 2 world or a new heavens and a new earth kind of world where there's no sin, there's no brokenness, there's no hurt, there's no COVID, there's no, there's no political strife, there's no, there's no hardship, there's no, there's no social media. In heaven, there will be no social media. What a place it will be. Come, Lord Jesus, come. But there's this reality of this inner peace that exists because God is present. 
And what God is instructing his people to do here in verse 7 is to actually pursue a life that brings that reality to bear on the city. That is a pointer to the reality of God's goodness and his grace. In other words, don't miss what God is saying here. The world is in utter chaos. The world is, it's frenzied, it's uncertain, it's, it's frail, it's weak, it's fragile. But I want you to establish yourselves. I want you to make a home there in that world. Sit at my feet and bring my peace to bear on the city. Show them what peace actually looks like. Uh, That as we sit at the feet of Jesus, as we experience this inner transformation, this forming of our own life, as we just soak and, and bask in the goodness and grace of Jesus, what happens, friends, is we get changed and transformed. We realize his goodness and grace, and then we bring it to bear on our city. And together, as the church, as the people of God, we get to be together nourished by God. We've received the peace of God. And as we experience the peace of God through one another, as we experience the love of God through one another, we bring it to bear on our city. We establish this countercultural community that doesn't look out at the world and respond the way the world works, but we look out at the world and we say, God is good. Yes, the world is a mess. Yes, 2020 was a dumpster fire, and 2021 is like, I'll show you 2020. Hold my beer. It's about to get worse. But in the midst of that craziness, in the midst of that storm, we have Jesus with us in the boat calming us, taking a nap because he's got the whole world in his hands. We're establishing this countercultural community that loves and serves and gives and extends the grace of God. Why? Because that's what we've received. Because we've been planted next to Jesus. We've been sitting at the feet of Jesus. We've been experiencing the grace of Jesus. We've, we've tasted the mercy of Jesus. So here's my encouragement to us as a church as we head into 2021. It's this. It's lean in. Lean in if you're tired, if you're weary, if, it's, if this has been a hard year, if you feel disconnected. This is not the year to just wait it out. This is the year to lean in. Lean in. This is, ex- this is exposing the need you have to come together. Even if it's hard. God's saying come together. You know, many people will say in this season that we find ourselves in, in Hebrews chapter 10, we have the command from from the writer of Hebrews to the church to to not forsake gathering together, right? And many people have hijacked that verse in this season to say, hey, the government's told you you can't meet. Hebrews 10 says you're supposed to meet. You got to go meet. Go go meet. Stick it to the government and meet. That's not what Hebrews 10 uh, says. I think it's Hebrews 10, 24. It's not what the meaning of that verse is. The meaning of that verse is not go and um, you know, there's a government that's preventing you from meeting, so you should go meet. Because the context was the, the church was allowed to meet, yet the Christians were refusing to meet. And so the writer of Hebrews is like kind of writing them, smacking them upside the back of the head, saying, what are you doing? You should be meeting. And there's been so many people who have said, oh, I'm lonely and I'm tired and I'm hurting. And, you know, I just, I, I, this has been such a hard season and it's difficult. And I just wish we get back to the cineplex. It's like, eh, stop. Hebrews 10, meet. I don't like Zoom. I know, but you need it. So meet. I don't like Zoom, but I still need to meet. We need to be together. This is actually an encouragement. It's a rebuke, but it's a loving rebuke from God saying, you need this. You need to be together. You need to be connected. You need to lean in. You need to use your gifts. You need to pray together. You need to communicate the gospel. You need to hear it and you need to speak it. This is a beautiful moment for the church to show the resilience, not of us, 
but of Jesus to an unbelieving world. We have this beautiful opportunity because this isn't going away anytime soon, friends. This isn't six weeks and we're done. We need to prepare for the long haul. We need to establish ourselves. And we have a beautiful opportunity in the midst of this to put on display to an unbelieving world that our hope is not in our circumstances, but our hope is in Jesus. We've been sitting at his feet. He's been nurturing our souls. He's been forming us. He's been changing us. He's been transforming us. We're inviting others to experience what we've experienced. And the reality is we can't do that on our own. We need to be a part of the church. And so 2021, I'm saying lean in. If you're not connected, get connected. If you've neglected to be connected, connect. There's opportunities there. This is not the time to Lone Ranger it. It doesn't make Jesus look beautiful. What makes Jesus look beautiful, look, what makes Jesus look beautiful is when we live as the people of God, the family of God, and love and serve one another, even when it's uncomfortable and difficult and requires a high degree of sacrifice, like the moment we find ourselves in. So as I look forward to 2021 and say, what is this season bringing for our church? I'm saying, lean in, establish ourselves in Jesus, lean into one another so that we can seek the prosperity, the blessing, the shalom of the city close with this thought. Family, we as a church, as a leadership, we are heading into 2021 with our eyes wide open. We know what the year has to bring, but hear me on this, and this isn't just pastor hype, right? I don't get paid money to say what I'm about to say. I am humbly confident that God will do his finest work in your life, and in our church in 2021. I believe it. Why? Why is that, Chris? You have big plans? We have plans. Yeah, we have plans. We have plans for 2021, right? We're, we're bringing on a church planning apprentice. We have plans to multiply community groups. We've got plans. We've got plans. We've got plans. But I don't want to get into that because I think that would circumvent the real work that God wants to do because it's not those things that bring me confidence. I enjoy those things, but those are not the things that give me confidence. I'm confident heading into 2021 because I've looked back at what God has done, and it's amazing. What Jesus has done in our church, the fact that we are still here, what he has done in 2020, it's amazing. When I look back over 2021, man, we're coming out of 2021. It's been one of the best years in the life of our church. Hard year, for sure, but one of the best years. We have resource margin. We have more financial resources, leadership resources than we've ever had. Our leadership team is is united in ways that we have never been united before. And friends, if Jesus can bring that kind of blessing and prosperity in 2020, I mean, we saw baptisms. I got a text just the other day from someone saying, hey, guess what? I'm going to baptize someone in our church. It's amazing. It's amazing. And if Jesus can bring that kind of blessing in the midst of that kind of chaos, if he can do the kind of blessing in the nation of Israel, the kind of exile they were experiencing, what could he do in 2021 if we will just plant ourselves at his feet and receive from him? I am, I'm confident. I'm confident. Last week we had, we had Gordo with us sharing about what God's doing in broken ministries and I was just so deeply encouraged by that. And I trust you were too, but... I want you just to think about what what Broken's doing right now, what Gordo and Julia are doing with Broken Ministries. It's a beautiful picture, hey? 
I mean, they go into downtown. They go in late at night on a Thursday night when everyone else is coming out of the town in a season when it's like nobody wants to be around the most marginalized and needy people. It's not safe, right? It's not safe physically. It's probably not super safe as far as COVID goes. I'm sure there's not a ton of social distancing going on down there. The community's in utter chaos. It's broken. It's a mess, right? It's, it's a giant metaphor for what 2020 was and what 2021 will be. And in the midst of that, this group of people head down there, set up a barbecue, fire it up, put burgers on the grill, and start serving food, loving people, and praying for them. And it's not just a hamburger they're giving out. It's a tangible reminder, picture of the grace of God. And when I think of that image, I just have this picture in my mind, think about this with me for a second, of a city that is just, it's just dark. The chaos is dark. It represents the brokenness of the moment we find ourselves in, in the middle of the darkness, in the middle of the chaos. There's this light. There's Gort and Julia and the crew setting up a barbecue. But they're setting up hope. Uh, They're setting up the the tangible grace and love and mercy of God. And for our church, I have this picture of this moment we find ourselves in that it's, the city's falling apart. People are falling apart. And in the midst of that, there we are, setting up shop. See, we got hope, we got grace, we got peace, we got mercy, we got love, we got Jesus. We got Jesus from the first city. We have Jesus. That's what I long for for my life. That's what I want for my life for 2021. That's what I want for my family for 2021. That's what I want for our church for 2021. Will you join me as... I pray for that. Lord Jesus, I thank you. Thank you that we can have confidence going into this next year. That when everything seems like it's falling apart, you are still seated on the throne. Not one thing happens that does not first pass through your hands. Jesus, I pray for our church in this moment right now, Lord, would you just speak to us? I know your desire is to just call us to draw near to you. And so I pray we would do that. Pray for each and every one of us right now in this moment. We would just experience the the peace of being in your presence. And then I pray, Lord, as you change us and as you transform us, that you would then use us, that the city would be blessed. The shalom of God, the peace of God would come to rest on the city as it first rests in our hearts. So we pray in your good name, Jesus, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. And all God's children said, amen, amen. Thank you, church. Thank you.